0: Before we get started with this episode, I wanted to start off by saying that Mile High is having a really cool thing going on right now that anybody that goes there to milehighshooting.com and orders anything gets put into a raffle, and they're giving away two of the new Zeiss high-power scopes. So if you wanted to get a really high-end scope for free, All you have to do is go to milehighshooting.com and put in an order and your name gets put into one of those raffles for those two optics, which is pretty cool. They're my local gun shop and I go there for everything anyway. They've always got great deals on ammunition and they only carry the highest and equipment out there. So if they carry it, it's good. You don't need to question it. You just have to decide what's in your price range and get it and go. They carry reloading. Supplies. They carry Alpha Munitions, brass. They carry Lapua brass. They carry Berger bullets, Hornady bullets. They carry loaded ammo. And right now I'm a big fan of the Federal that's loaded with the Berger bullets. They also carry Voodoo. They carry Accuracy International and a bunch of other stuff. But right now I would recommend everybody go buy something there just to be put in for one of those optics because it's not every day that you get put into a raffle For a really high-end scope and run um, a chance at scoring one just for buying something that you already need. So go to milehighshooting.com and do that. Now, Team Accufire they support this podcast too, and they've been doing team matches all fall. Right now, they're at the Wilson match And They're helping out with that because they're one of the sponsors, which I think is really cool when companies go out of their way to sponsor matches that they like, matches that they support. They put huge amounts of prizes on the prize tables, but they also go and either shoot in them and or volunteer's ROs, which is pretty cool to see people walking the walk. Uh, They also have high-quality affordable optics, and so if you don't have the budget to buy something like a Zykes or a Zero Compromise and you want something that will work, and be much more affordable uh, i've been beating mine up my atro i've been using their digital digital uh, rangefinder, uh, not rangefinder, the digital spotting scope and um testing out some of their other optics and feel like for the price point they're hard to beat and so go to acufiretech.com and check out their offerings now today i talked to boyd And we talked for a couple of hours. Um, Boyd is an awesome guy. And although I don't say it till the end, really, I I really think that the fact that he shoots every discipline and cares about every discipline um, and is a high performer in them, I mean, he's um, understated in how high he can perform in all of those disciplines, despite the fact that it seems like every weekend he shoots a different discipline. So instead of specializing in one and becoming very, very, very good at one at the sacrifice of everything else, he is able to perform at an extremely high level across the board and continues to go out of his way to look for weaknesses and compete in areas where he struggles rather than just areas where he succeeds. I think he has never, I've never I've seen him all over the country and I've never seen him not smiling and not helping people. And if you see him and you don't know him, um, I would encourage you guys to go up and talk to him because there probably isn't a nicer shooter out on the competitive circuit doing all styles and testing equipment and just being a part of something that he loves and enjoys just for that pure reason alone. Um, and I was really excited to talk to him about anything that he would be willing to talk about. But specifically, I've been talking to him a lot recently because one of my goals in 2023 is to compete in the big air gun competition that takes place in Utah. And it's a five day match and it's an international level of match with, with many, many countries come, I think something like 18 countries come and compete. And to me, that's really fascinating and interesting. And I think Boyd is one of the people that I trust because he puts his money where his mouth is. He gets firsthand experience and kind of sees the bright side of everything. So I hope you like this. Um, if you liked it, reach out to him and and say something or uh, give me some feedback. I'm going to put the uh, audio message link in here on the in the show notes like I have other ones. I've got a ton of voice messages that I get with questions. I'm going to put together a Q&A based on those, which will be kind of fun. And different. So, if you have questions or things that you would like talked about on the podcast, uh, click that link there, and allows you to record an audio message that I can use as the question. Uh, Play it, and uh, you know, talk about it on one of these upcoming Q and A episodes. So, let's let it rip. But pretty much all the matches out west, I can kind of picture you there, and I remember seeing you and your daughter at a hunter match R rowing. And I remember seeing you at like NRL matches and then at cameo and then at the guardian and then, uh, at the nutsack. And I mean, everywhere, everywhere I go, no matter what style of shooting I'm doing, like you're there. And then <laughs> like, I get to know you, and I think like, wow, you know, there, there aren't that many people who really invest their time left and right at their main kind of uh niche, you know, like, like they, you know, a lot of shooters, they get a rifle, they want it perfectly calibrated and tweaked and any little hiccup or sneeze, you know, they worry about that stuff. And then other people are like, man, I just like to shoot. And, 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 you know, if you're good, then you're good with everything. So I think like, man, that guy, boy, is pretty fucking cool. He's always smiling. He's always psyched. And, and then I get on your Instagram and you're shooting rimfire matches all over the place. You're shooting air gun all over. I mean, basically like if it shoots, you're psyched about it. Yeah. If there's a trigger, I want to pull it. Which is freaking amazing. So like, and I picked up on that just by seeing you at a bunch of matches and then noticing, holy crap, you're like, he's doing 10 times more diversity which I I really admire because like I thought, man, you know, if I, if I can't pick up any rifle and shoot it well, then I got stuff to learn for. And and so I'm really, really fascinated with what you've learned over the last couple of years, shooting a variety of disciplines and what you think each discipline like is, is really good at teaching you. That's different than the other disciplines. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) I think I, the first thing I've learned is that you it's difficult to cross all those disciplines, right? Like I I feel like my skill set has dropped in one specific area uh because I'm not heavily focused. So, for example, last year I shot the, the vast majority of matches I shot were the uh, Rimfire 22X style matches. And I was honed in. I was shooting that rifle all the time. And so just the awareness of that system and the familiarity gave me, it, it's really, it's a confidence thing, right? Like I know that rifle. I know how it's going to shoot. I know how it reacts. And I just pick it up and I do its thing. And that's because of my I don't know, addictive personality. It didn't, there wasn't enough of those matches to keep me fulfilled constantly with it. And so that's why I seek these other matches. Um, but that's what this year has shown me is that because the diversity is there, everything does suffer a little bit, right? So uh, and it's because the systems are are so different but so similar so a lot of it crosses right a lot of the the fundamentals um are there but that might be one of my biggest weaknesses is the fundamentals because those fundamentals are more required in of all the disciplines i i shoot i would say those are more the most important and in probably the hunter's series, right? I'm shooting the lightest weight rifle with the largest relative caliber and the most recoil. And so squared up behind my rifle and, and proper breathing and making sure, uh, that I don't shank that trigger. It shows itself the most in that discipline. Whereas all the way to the other side of the spectrum in my air guns there, there's a lot more forgiveness in some of that behavior. Uh, But where they all, where all of the information uh, coexists is like the position building, right? That's really where shooting as many matches as I have. That's probably the biggest thing that I've gained uh, is position building because it doesn't matter what, what system I'm shooting. I could shoot my air gun or a couple of weeks ago, I went and shot a gas gun match, um, a hunter match. It doesn't like you're still building a position. So having that repetition of so many positions um, gives me a lot of confidence in that area. And then just the, the, competition aspect, right? When we've all heard that and, and we've all probably made this same statement that, Oh, I was ready to go. And then the timer went beep. Right. And I lost everything. And so why is that? It's uh, that's when the pressure's on, right? Like, like Mike Tyson, right? Isn't he the one that said it, you know, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face and the timer is our punch to the face. And it's like, oh shit, it's time to, it's time to go to work. And as many competitions as I've shot, uh, which is a lot, uh, that I've heard that beep a lot of times. So it brings some kind of familiarity and, and Hey, stop. Sorry. And it gives you the, uh, the muscle memory for lack of a better term to say, okay, now it's time to go to work. I'm going to go down. I'm going to, shoot my 10 or 12 shots and and then I'm going to move
0: on to the next stage. Mhm. Well, gosh, I I don't I mean, when I watch you shoot now, now that I know you, when I know people, I kind of pay attention to how they shoot, what they do, things that are different left and right and and I feel like your position building is extremely good and extremely fast. I feel like you've got good fundamentals. Um, you know, watching watching you shoot a center fire, uh, rifle. And not only that, like your wind calling is good also. So you're spotting your shots, you're managing the recoil, you're building position and moving fluidly. So I've, I've definitely seen that. Um, the, uh, I'm surprised about the, uh, air guns being forgiving and, uh, but, but I can relate to that with the 22. I feel like I can drive a 22 really well, but maybe, you know, it's the mass, maybe it's a mass recoil, uh, issue but but for whatever reason because I haven't I haven't done um any of the NRL style competitions I've gone to a couple of the um NRA silhouette matches yeah with the 22 and those are freaking hard but uh but never 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 an NRL one I, I like that that the pressure and going to competition can get you customized to pressure and the decision-making time frame Are the, are the, the times at these competitions all pretty compatible? Yeah. Yeah. For, I mean, give it within 30 seconds, right? So,
1: uh, for the most part, two minutes is kind of the standard in this, in this format. Um, and you'll have, you know, you should go a little further East. They tend to run the 90 second time frames. We tend to run them out here as, as stressors or tiebreakers. Um, but with, with and then they'll have some crazy ones right well they'll they'll give you 130 seconds or 140 seconds cuz they want you to crack off 16 or 18 rounds or something like that but within reason it's it's 2 minutes and so that's where that repetition helps that natural cadence of like you know okay 10 12 seconds per shot and and that's that's everything that's from the time you broke your last shot till you got a break the position, build a new position and, and send that next round. And, uh, so you multiply that out and shoot. I I don't even know. I've never actually done the math, uh, how many times I've done that, but it's a lot, (laughs) you know, I've, I've I've shot 50 uh, last week. I just went to Texas for the rimfire finale and that's my 51st match of the year. Wow. So If you, if you'd even throw out all of the two days and just figure, okay, like what if they were all one days and what's an average one day match, you know, eight to 10 stages or so let's say 10 for easy math sake, you know, 10 stages uh, at at 10 rounds a piece you know, that's a hundred times times the 51 this year that I've had that 12 seconds per shot to, to, (laughs) to form that into my brain. So I'm, I'm pretty, I don't time out a lot um, unless there's some kind of malfunction or something that I struggle working through, but it's, it's that repetition of I I know what that 10 seconds, 12 seconds per shot feels like. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the consistent thing across all of these different, I I say disciplines, but they're, they're pretty much uh, the discipline as far as I'm concerned is precision rifle, right? Some kind of precision rifle, whether I'm using a different weapon system doesn't really matter. And there's some exception with the air guns. I've shot a couple of different events um, in, in that realm, but the vast, vast majority is precision rifle. So I'm pretty tuned into how long 10 seconds is. And for the most part, I'm fairly comfortable building the position and sending it around.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if you, so let's let's talk about uh, center fire. If you shoot center fire for a while, and then you go to rim fire or to air gun, I'm gonna for now. I'm gonna talk about them similar because they're just two things I don't know much about. Um, what do you notice first, like? Do you notice, wow, I feel better at this or do you feel, Wow, I'm rusty at, at something else? So I, I feel like, wow, I'm better at this.
1: <laughs> I think, which is funny, this topic, I think center fire is better training for rim fire than vice versa, which is kind of counter what the popular opinion, or maybe it's not the opinion, but it's what people spew out on the internet. I always hear like get a rim fire for trainers, get a rim fire for trainer. Um, And an air gun would be fall into that same category. I think it's the opposite. Uh, If you're at least once you have any kind of fundamental skill set, and I don't mean the fundamentals of, of markmanship so much of just some basic platform of, okay, I'm, I'm doing competitions now. The center fire, it, you it's the, the name of this game is spot in your shot, right? This is an individual sport. So mm-hmm. obviously making a good call the first time helps, but it's paying attention to where your shot goes and making corrections on the fly. And there's no better. Um, there's nothing better to test that ability than a center fire rifle. And it's because it recoils. It's because mm-hmm. it pushes you off of your position, whether, whether you're really good and, and you're squared up behind the rifle, that, that reticle jumps up eight tenths or, or you're a little bit crazy off kilter on a wobbly barricade and it pushes you off two mils. Um, that ability to manage that is what keeps you in the game. So, but that's as a, as kind of a, a, not a beginner shooter, more so like an intermediate shooter on and on up, if you're a brand new shooter, then I think rimfire and air guns are exceptional trainers because this coming into this world, what I see with new shooters all the time, the, the biggest hurdle is building a position. It's your wobble zone. And so the practice and the inexpensive practice sending rounds down range with the rimfire or ridiculously less with the air gun, that gives you a lot of opportunity to build and break positions. So when I'm shooting, if I've shot a whole bunch of center fire and I pick up my uh, air gun and rimfire, I, I feel right at home and, and I can just, jump on it and and go right to work. If I've shot a whole bunch of rimfire and air gun, I kind of get lazy. And so, like you said, it's like, you can, you can manhandle that rimfire into place, right? You can be in a bad position and you can send around and, and the system itself is more forgiving because it's not going to, the recoil is not there. It's not going to push off your shoulder and and roll your reticle, you know, three mils to the right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I noticed that if I've shot a bunch of, of, uh, rim fire or air guns, and then I get out and I shoot my center (laughs) fire, you know, that first stage, (laughs) I'm like, Oh shit. You know, okay. I, (laughs) I gotta, I gotta remember that this is, you know, this has got some kick to it. And and it's funny we even say that because like these 20-pound six millimeter, I shoot a six GT, you know, and it's 20 some odd pound rifle. It doesn't recoil, not like, especially if you talk to people outside of the precision rifle world, like and, and we talk about recoil, and they they seem <laughs> they kind of take, you know, like, come on, be a man and and these guns aren't heavy recoiling. You know, I shoot my 300 Win Mag and that's a recoiling rifle. And that I'm not going home crying, my shoulder hurts because I shot my 6GT all day, but I'd certainly rather shoot my 6GT uh, versus my 308 if I want to spot shots, right? Because it's less recoil. So, yeah, I feel it when I go from a heavy match uh, schedule in the lower recoiling calibers. And then I, and I pick up something else. I, I definitely feel it on that first, you know, that first stage, that first round. And, and then it's like, okay, pay attention, get back in your fundamentals, make sure you're squared up. And, and, uh, but it's all still in there because
0: I shoot so much of it anyhow.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I could, yeah, I could see that. I'm, I guess, um, I feel like you know a lot of times I'm going to have somebody on and talk about just with dry fire because dry fire is not something that I spend a lot of time doing. And if I do, I don't worry about the shooting part. I worry about just build a position. Yeah. You know, like, like how fast can you build a position and find a target, like for the hunter matches, but not actually like, I don't ever, sometimes I don't even pull the trigger. I just build a position and I get on and I close my bolt and then I'm done. And I, and I just start over because the recoil is not there to tell me if I actually built the position. Right. Right. And so I, I that personally, that's, I use recoil as a measurement of, of, of my fundamental checks. but, but the other side of shooting, obviously, right. With the spotting the shots and seeing the stuff is, is, is managing wind. And when, when it comes to, I've always kind of rolled my eyes when people say, Oh, you know, shooting my shooting, my 22, at certain number of yards, mimic shooting a three oh eight at you know super far, and I think man, like I I can't bridge that gap mentally because you know you're really only shooting your rim fire at 100 yards, and and what happens between you and the target at 100 yards is a lot different than what happens to a bullet for a three oh eight between you know you and 800 yards of the wind you're going to feel that close wind easier on yourself. So you're going to have a better idea of wind speed and direction. Um, and then the time of flight and all that stuff. But on the other hand, you know, I haven't spent that time to really try to bridge the gap between, you know, how do I think about wind? For me, it's, it's always wind past 300 yards that I think about, right. And the way I talk about it and think about it in my mind and never really translate wow. that to inside of three hundred yards, uh, and then breaking that down into a, a very small, easy, or low BC, or however you would want to describe it. You know, the it doesn't take many miles an hour to move um, a twenty-two bullet a decent amount. So when it comes to like gun number stuff, I haven't even started to think about how I would even verbalize that, but. Um, I remember a talk once with Jake Faber and he said that when he was learning to spot like his trace while he was shooting, you know, to watch the bullet go in, he took out like thousands of rounds of rimfire because you could see those bullets a lot easier. And then, um, that was one of the things that I did do a couple of years ago is just go, you know, bring 500 bullets and get a strong prone position, pick something far away and try to watch the, the round you could see the 22, like it's not even traced. You could watch. The yeah. You're watching the predict though. Um, is that what, is that what you do for rim fire and for air guns? Can you watch the, can you watch the round actually go through the air? Yes. Um, it, it, and
1: it's, it's easier with the air guns and, uh, and it's the color of the bullet. It's actually easier with the rimfire, depending on which brand of bullet, you know, if you shoot like 10 X, it's a silver bullet and it reflects the light better. So it's easier to pick that up versus, you know, like the darker projectiles. But it's funny cause we, we talked about that you and I in the past. And I, it, as far as the rimfire and wind, um, I I think that's a huge advantage is the wind. And and in fact, that, <laughs> that ballistic scaling is what it's called. That's, that's what actually got me into this world at all. I saw some video, some guy in Finland talked about ballistic scaling and it was just that, like how to train, I think the video was something like how to train long range sniping with your rimfire. And I'm kind of a math nerd and that, that, like that, intrigued me in ballistic scaling. And it's exactly that. They talk about a three Oh eight versus a, a rim fire. And it's, it's roughly 30%. And that's pretty cool. And, and it goes both ways in elevation and in windage. Um, and I started in my long range stuff was in a three Oh eight. And so I was pretty familiar with that. And, and I found that fascinating back to your point, as far as gun numbers and, and, and the fact that you're, you're not, you don't really have changing wind conditions in that 300 yard range, like you would at a grand, you know, mid range wind, far range wind, and they could be going, doing two different things. And I would agree with that. However, I shoot in in the rimfire world. And especially at our local, you know, you know, I live out West and, and my home range is at the mouth of a canyon and it's windy it's windy as hell and it comes down that canyon in the morning and it goes up that canyon in the afternoon and then it's a uh a range that has a lot of different base so there's berms everywhere and those berms cause that same havoc and so you're you're on the firing line and you, i can feel wind I lost my ear. I can feel wind coming at me, uh, from my right. But that wind, if I'm close to the berm, that wind will come up over the berm and then circle. And so if, if I'm close to the berm, I've got a right wind on my face when I shoot, but I got a left wind pushing the round at the, uh, at the target. So what, I have to pay attention to it. And the bigger factor is back to the BC. The BC is so terrible in comparison that a very small change, a one mile an hour change in the wind has a great impact um, on my projectile. In the centerfire world, I worry more about direction of wind than I do speed of wind, because from my perspective, that's where, that's where I screw up more. That's going to have as big or, or bigger impact on the path of my projectile. Um, In the rimfire world, that's the same thing, but the, the, the low BC um, has a, has a direct, correlation with that wind speed also and so one miles an hour two miles an hour is really going to push that projectile a big distance and then in air guns that's even amplified that much more it's uh the projectiles that if i'm shooting a slug uh uh, considered a high bc slug (laughs) it's about half the bc of my you know my rimfire my 22 lr so everything is like, I got guys shooting rimfire and I'll shoot my air gun in rimfire matches against rimfires. And everyone's out there. Oh, I'm five tenths of wind and I'm a mill. And if I'm shooting a mill, I got a wind and that's my low wind. I might be a mill to a mill eight. So my wind bracket, even if I pick the middle of it, eight tenths, I'm still up there at, at a mill four. And the target I'm shooting is seven tenths wide, you know? So having that advantage of a high BC (laughs) rimfire is, is a big advantage, you know? And that's why you're cutting that. I'm doubling whatever wind they're doing. Right. So, uh, wind is, is different. I agree with that, but that's the huge, that's a big thing about shooting rim fires. It, it does only give you to your point. It, it gives you the ability to pay attention to the wind near you, but it forces you to pay attention to the wind. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a beginner again, coming into this sport, um, there's time for you to learn, okay, I need to pay attention to what the wind is doing down range. Let's at least start by, identifying what the wind is doing at my position. And, and it's, it's critical to building that skill. Like, okay, I'm, I just sent that round and now I really need to be attentive and, and feel that, you know, I feel that hair on my neck or I feel that blow up against my right cheek and I feel that wind building. I, I better make an adjustment to my, uh, to my hold, even only going out a hundred, 200 yards.
0: Mm-hmm. So is that something that you learned by going to competitions or training, or is that something that, that is pretty common to talk about, um, among, among rimfires? like the, the constant, um, you know, using all of your senses to detect the subtle changes right on site. Because I noticed that, um, when, when I, when I do the assessments, one of the first things I do after I show people how to refine some of their wind gathering techniques is, is I just, I hit a stopwatch. They don't know I'm timing them. And so people listening to this, they're going to go, Oh, I know what he's doing now. But, um, (laughs) but, but it's, it's pretty funny. It's, it's one of those, like, just deer in the headlights or you you have no idea the impact of time and decision-making in terms of like, this is important. Like when you do certain things, it's, it's important in context to when you do other things. And what I mean is I'll say, all right, this is what I want you to do to refine your wind call. And, and I just want you to practice. This is usually day two, if it's a wind thing and I'll find a way to say, all right, I, I was watching how you did your wind. And, you know, let's say somebody licks their finger and they hold it up and they, they say, all right, I think it's 15 miles an hour from that way. All right, I'll shoot this way. Uh, I guess I'll just hold a mill. And you're like, all right, cool. Um, And you probably aren't surprised that that they miss a lot. And then you say, all right, well, you know, let's pull out your Kestrel and let's walk through just how the Kestrel works and how you could optimize the Kestrel to give you a better idea where to start. So we do that. And out here in Fort Morgan, kind of like where you're at, you know, the wind in the morning, um, is coming from the West and then it whips around during the day. It kind of makes a 180 degree. And then it comes down from the East kind of depending on the storm cycles, cause it's flat. And so the hot, hot air, and cold air are mixing, but then it, it reverses in the afternoon. So if you made a wind call 30 minutes ago, it's going to be different. It's going to probably be different by 10 or 15 degrees and, you know, several miles per hour. So so, all right, you know, there's, let's find your targets and then you're going to shoot them. So I have them do the wind call. And then I say, all right, now let's find our targets and then let's get out your, you know, get your dope and then shoot them. And then I time it and they make their wind call. And sometimes it's 20 minutes later. They, they just get on their rifle and they shoot that wind hold, you know, or they just forget altogether, And they're like, I held center and I totally missed. I forgot to hold my wind hold. Um, And I think, all right, like, the time that elapses and when you're on the gun, you're thinking about so many things like, yeah. Oh, do I have wobbled? Am I going to make a good trigger press? And you know, whatever people are thinking about. And when your brain is so focused on your reticle, you know, some people, I think you could throw dirt at them and they wouldn't feel it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. so how do you learn? How'd you learn to kind of feel it, you know, like, like start to pay attention to something other than what you're looking at. Um, I missed a lot of shots.
1: (laughs) I I mean, that's ultimately like, right. We got to learn from our mistakes. And I made a lot of mistakes. I I should be the smartest guy in history, but, uh, I I've hit the dirt a lot. And so even it, it still is a constant thing. So you, you asked the first part of that question was, you know, are we having that, that conversation? And yes, we, we are having that conversation, but, but I don't think everyone is like, I think when you're, when you're shooting with guys that perform on the top level, you're having that conversation. Um, but even just last week in, in Texas, again, this was a rimfire uh, finale. And so the wind is a, a critical part of missing that. It doesn't take a lot of wind to push that little projectile off. And, Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I, I have to pay attention because if I go into a stage and, and, and I, I might get lucky with one round, I might get lucky with two or three rounds, but if I stay with that wind call the whole time, it's not, uh, chances are, I'm not going to remain lucky. Right. Cause the yeah. wind is, the wind is never a uh, speed ever. It's mm-hmm. building and dropping, building and dropping. It's constant fluctuation. And sometimes that happens very quickly and sometimes it's a little slower transition. And then, then depending on the plate width, how much forgiveness you have. Um, but in I was hypersensitive to it in this particular match. This is the championship match. Every point counts. And so when I miss a round and and I recall a stage that that happened, I feel the wind, uh, building up on my, my cheek and I'm like, okay, here comes a little bit of gust. I better add a couple more tents to it. And I don't, and I send the round and I miss it, you know? Well, that's, (laughs) <laughs> that's the best education you can get. Cause it's, I knew it. I, I knew it. I felt it in my mind. I processed it, but I didn't act upon that information and it, I paid the consequence for it. So you can bet at least the very next stage and probably the next two or three stage, I was hypersensitive to, okay, it's building, it's dropping, pay attention. You know, which way is that plate rocking? Um, can I actually see that projectile? And so uh, for me, I, it, it's, it's misses that, that taught me that, right. It's mm-hmm. hitting that and, and hitting the dirt over and over and over again. And so I, I still forget it. Sometimes I still make mental errors. I made a couple of mental errors, you know, well, I probably made several, but I can think of a few mental errors that I meant made, uh, and that cost me at minimum two points on two different stages. I shot the wrong target, right? I hate, I'm, I'm okay missing something that I screwed up. Um, but for some reason I hold that kind of miss to a higher standard because it's just a complete mental error. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what's frustrating is I hit the targets, you know, but they were the wrong targets. And so, and I'm staring at it and I, you know, it's like you said, when that there's so much going on in your head. Like, am I okay? Is my wobble zone good? Am I on the right wind pulse? Is my left? Is my my rifle level? I got a good trigger spreeze, uh, squeeze. Am I breathing correctly? Um, There's a lot going on, and and so if I have to mentally process all of that, uh, something's gonna something's gonna gotta give, right? And that's why the repetition helps. That hopefully those processes are subconscious and, and we can do that with, you know, better gear and better repetition and so forth. Um, but it, it's all gotta happen. So if I've got to think about all of those things, the chances are, I'm going to miss something. Um, if I do them enough times, hopefully I then just, it's, it's subconscious and I just start to do them. And I don't, I'm not, it's not taking the mental energy so that I can then retain that and focus like, okay, I can feel that wind building or dropping or change directions and I need to process that,
0: that part of the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that. That's fascinating. Um, because you're right. The wind's always kind of fluctuating, but a lot of times the calibers that we have that fluctuation, you don't really see. But if you've got a bullet with a PC where, you know, one mile an hour shift might put you off plate, you better be tuned in like great. I would want to grow like cat whiskers. And <laughs> I know. Right. I, I, I'd probably shape my head so that like the little stubble, I could feel the wind and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it, I think, uh, yeah. that would be really. Really cool. I've got, I'm going to, next time I see you, um, Frank and I bought these wind, uh, Doppler devices and we're going to map the range out there. They're these, they're these, um, kind of Doppler units that you can stick on a pole and it tells you the velocity and the direction. So we're going to put them all over the range so that, you know, when, when you shoot on site and we, we have some smaller ones for the shooting position, but we could then get it, when you take the shot, get an image capture of the wind speed and direction, you know, where you are halfway to the bullet, halfway to the target, you know, three quarters of the way to the target, at the target, so that if any anomaly happens, you know, we would be able to trace it back to wind speed or shooter. Yeah. Right. Like, because um, there's only, I mean, you, you literally can't sometimes tell that the wind is stronger downrange until you shoot right. and you see the bullet deflect but at that point you know it's like well crap was it stronger or not as strong and, and if it is stronger halfway how much you know versus the original wind called can we see that and where the impact so I'm going to start mapping impacts with those fluctuating wind speeds um you know at least to get a general idea not you know not down to the meter but but to say like okay, if it's 10, 10, 10, but at halfway, it goes to 15, you know, we should be able to see that. Um, and just because we didn't feel it doesn't mean we might not learn, learn something from that, but I would like to see that with, um, with some of these smaller projectiles and and, uh, the effect that it has on, on them. Um, yeah, man, that, but so with the center fire, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't have that same
1: effect. You still need to pay attention to it where you're at. But so that's a, for me, that's a feel sense, right? It's a touch sense. Um, mm-hmm. But in the center fire, I need that, but I need my visual sense too. I, I, it, when I'm shooting center fire, when I'm shooting a thousand yards and, and I mean, we say a thousand yards, but be, let's be honest. Most of our engagements are in that six, 800 range. When I'm Mm -hmm. shooting at that range, I have to be attentive to not just the target or my reticle that's in my scope. I need to be seeing that grass or those leaves or that mirage or whatever else is giving me some indication of wind. So Mm -hmm. that that's in the rimfire world that I think it gives me a little more advantage because I get to, I get to reserve my visual stimuli for target and actual reticle placement because i can count more on what am i feeling right here um, and again if i'm shooting out in in the flat somewhere i have that advantage if i'm shooting in any kind of range that has berms then it goes closer to mimicking the center fire, where i i need to start paying attention to downrange as well
0: mm-hmm. that's cool So you guys have, I, I, my understanding is that for the, for the air gun world, like maybe one of the biggest competitions in the world in Utah once a year. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, I, I love goals and I love trying, you know, I like shooting. And um, one of my goals for 2023 is to get an air gun and shoot it enough that I could just come have fun. You know, I'm not going to go and say I'm going to win it. I'm going to shoot it a lot here till I understand how to shoot it, and then just go participate in that. It's it's like five days of of shooting, yeah, right, right. And um, so I've never I've never been to an event like that, and I and I I don't own an air gun yet, but but hopefully you know in the next couple of weeks, um, I'll get one. Are there is the community the same? Could you Uh, take them in and out of, of, of each other's competitions? Is the attitude at the competitions the same? Or, or, or do you notice that the atmosphere is different in different styles?
1: So in, in different, (laughs) the short answer is yes, but that's not, that's not entertaining enough. Right. So the, the, the RMAC is a, is a world-class event. So is the attitude of the competitors the same? Um, arguably yes. Uh, Is the atmosphere the same? No, because that's, that is a worldwide competition. And so the atmosphere there is amazing, right? Like it, the, the, that's what got me into it. So the, the guys down here at Utah air guns are friends of mine. I, I met him several years ago um shooting in the rimfire kind of series because air guns were allowed. And they're just they're just all around awesome people. And so I tend to gravitate towards those kind of people. And I became friends with them and, and we shot air guns and back then I was heavy into rimfire competition. And I shot their air guns. I'm like, man, these things are—they're—they're they're cool, but like, okay, they're—they're they're just cool, you know. I—I didn't—I was so focused on competing with rimfire, and of course, I'm at that time I'm trying to get something. Uh, I'm trying to build my system up into a professional style or, or high-end, you know, gun. So it just—it wasn't on my radar so much. Well, I as the years progressed, I I like to RO matches. Do I know you RO a ton of matches? Well, why do you do that? Because you're giving back, right? It's fun. We take from this world. It's good to give back to that this, this world. And so I try and volunteer and, and RO my fair share of matches, or maybe even a little more than that. And this event comes up and and. I can't remember. They, they had a post and of course these are my friends. And so I follow their Instagrams. And so I wrote, reached out to Justin. I'm like, Hey, I'll, I'll come help you out. You know, I I'm fortunate. I have a flexible schedule. I can do a lot of work from my phone. So yeah, I'll, I'll come down and help you out for this uh, event. And I didn't have really any, I didn't know about it. I didn't have any understanding. I just knew like, Oh, this is a really big air gun event. And I get there and the dude, it's amazing. The atmosphere is so big. There's last year we had 13 countries. Um, That was the first year that I actually competed the year before that we were still coming off of the COVID, but I think we still had like eight or nine countries at this event. So you got people from all over the world and then it's a shooting competition, but it's not just specific PRS. In fact, that is one of the smaller or, it's only one piece of the event. They shoot four different styles of shooting across this event. And, and, and I just had an amazing experience. I was so jealous the entire time. Like, like, why am I not shooting this event? You know, instead of I'm here, R-O-ing. so I rolled the event. It's again, it's, it's five days, it's four days worth of competition and then a registration and practice kind of, you know, train up day and And then they go and have a huge banquet and and they give away lots of money and and they they raffle off all these prizes, and they these raffles generate funds for charities. Uh, and it's just it was such an amazing event. And I'm like, I have got to be part of this event. And that event ended on Sunday, and I think I made it till Tuesday afternoon. I went down and I bought my first airgo. And so hey, so i i i shot it um and i forgot i lost the train of thought what the original question was but uh oh it was the people right and so Mm -hmm. you've been to enough matches that in the prs world um and the nrl almost everyone is pretty awesome um there's a there's an occasional douchebag in any kind of situation or any kind of event, but generally people are awesome. And what's awesome is that we're all competitive. We're all pretty highly competitive at at least at the, at the top level yet we want our buddies to do good. Like we, I, I, my competitive nature doesn't sacrifice my ability to help that guy out. And so you see it all the time. Like, Oh my, my gun went down. Here's my gun. Here's my ammo. Go shoot. Or, mm-hmm. you know, can I borrow this or can I borrow that? Or what even helping with wins? Like what was your wind call on there? I know that's a, you know, controversial topic, whatever it is. Um, but, uh, I, I don't want to win a match or compete in the match. Um, And the only reason that I won or competed is because somebody else had some kind of failure or something that was out of their control that, that I could have helped them with, right? Like I want to kick, I, I, I have a lot of good friends in this uh, world and I want to kick every one of their asses, but I want to do it because I earned it, not because of, you know, something stupid. And so that I see, the same like competitors from all over the world, like sharing guns and gear and information so that we can, we can elevate the entire sport. And Mm -hmm. so in that regard, yes, it's, it's very similar type of people. Now there's different events. Um, and, and the, in the precision marksman event, which is very similar to, our world i saw that hands down some of the other events are a little bit different um and maybe not as much uh in in the sharingness but certainly in their willingness to help that community is is awesome so i would say yes it's pretty similar from my experience so they have precision marksmen. What what are the other styles? Or, or so events? there's, uh, it, at RMAC, there was four events. There was precision marksman, there's the speed silhouette, there's the big bore, and there's bench rest. So bench rest in the air gun world has kind of been, well, there's two, two big things in the air gun world, bench rest and field target. And they are traditional air gun, uh, events and uh, and arguably they're they're probably the biggest kinds of events and at least as the most available types of matches across the world. So air gunning across the world is huge because there's a lot of countries where you know firearms aren't allowed and and air guns are. So that has a natural amount or a, a natural that adds to the natural growth of that style in those types of countries. Um, Bentress, you, I'm sure you're somewhat aware you're, you're shooting at a target. It's basically who can hit the bullseye on a whole bunch of targets. And it's a, it's a whole different, it's a whole different mentality. It's a whole different world. Um, As far as skill, like it, it, so I've only shot a couple of those competitions. I shot that one and then I shot, a kind of a, a trainer match for that and then I shot uh at EBR which is another large air gun event uh this this year and I <laughs> I don't perform at a top level right in those events. Now I made the finals but I didn't like I didn't do anything super impressive. It's it it requires a different skill set and and I I'm driven. So when I lose things, I want to get better at them. um, And I want to try and learn, but it's a different style of event. Um, And then the speed silhouette is arguably the most entertaining, funnest event ever to watch. Right. It's literally a spectator sport and this is a huge event anyways, but like there's, there's television, you know, cameras there, you're recording it and it's, the crowd's hooting and hollering and and it's fast paced and it's so much fun because it's head to head competition. And it's like a, like a championship bracket system. Right. And so it, it, you go head to head and head to head in all of these different heats until it leads down to, to the winner. And it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's fast and it's entertaining and, and probably arguably the most entertaining uh, style of shooting to watch. Same thing. Like I shot in that, I got wrecked in that kind of shooting. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not trained to do it like that. Like I'm, we shoot pretty fast, but you know, we're shooting long range and little tiny things like like we're shooting very slow compared to what these guys are doing. They're, they're, they're running through, uh, through rounds very quickly. And is I it off-hand? Hand, uh, there are some offhand. Um, but most of it is, was mm-hmm. not there in like the qualifying stuff. There's some offhand. Um, but as you get down to the championship bracket, you're shooting off of a bench. Um, even the, the silhouette stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. that's awesome. Um, so, so go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I, I was just curious, like, how they're shooting fast. If the, if the loading mechanism is different than a bolt gun,
1: it's well, and I don't know if you've looked at them. It's like a straight pole. It's very similar to a straight pole. Um, at least in, in several of the brands, um, the higher level brands. and, and I mean, guys are running different techniques. Like guys are, uh, some of the, 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 top competitors are young kids, right. In this world, not then they're not kids. They're young adults. Um, and, uh, they're, they're showing us how (laughs) they're showing us how to do it. A couple of the top competitors in the, arguably in the world, at least in these events are both local guys here to Utah. And, and they've kind of gone head to head with each other over the past several years. And one of their techniques, um, he actually pulls the trigger finger or pulls the trigger with his middle finger. So he never takes his, his hand, his thumb and his, uh, and his pointer finger are never coming off of the bolt and he's just racking it down and pulling the trigger with his, with his middle finger. Um, the other guy doesn't use that t- same technique. He has a different modified technique that works, but it's not, it's not the same as what I'm used to. And, and so I shot it at armac And I, I I didn't even make the finals in that event. I pretty much got obliterated. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy and build a specific gun for this. And I'm going to come back and that EBR the, you know, seven, eight months later, and I'm going to do, do well at this. And so I, I I did that. I, I built a gun specific for that. And EBR was in October. Uh, And I went down there to Arizona and I got wrecked again. You know, I just, it's so different and and I just haven't figured it out. And part of it is I don't, I, it's different. And I, I've shot so many matches. I don't have a lot of downtime to be working on new disciplines and such. Um, but it's a, it's so much fun. And even just to be there and to watch it, it's so much fun to watch that event because of the, it, 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 because of the head to head thing, I think it takes our competitive spirit to the next level. So that's the third event. And then the fourth event uh, at RMAC is the big bore challenge. And Mm -hmm. that's uh, it's we're shooting steel targets similar to what you would do in, in PRS other than you're not, you're shooting off of a bench, um, but you're shooting at a steel silhouette target uh, kind of far away um and i say kind of because it's all relative but i think the farthest we had was like 300 yards and and it's caliber and power specific so i think i don't remember the exact requirements but i think the smallest caliber you could shoot was a 35 caliber and it has to generate so many foot pounds of energy at the muzzle um i particularly shot uh 45 caliber and And, uh, I'm shooting a 350 grain slug at about a little over 800 feet per second. So that's pretty, pretty close. It's a little more muzzle energy than like a 45 ACP. So imagine shooting your 45 ACP 300 yards. And that's kind of what we're doing (laughs) with the and pushing it by air. And what's crazy, crazy, crazy is, the, the SDs on this rifle, uh, like I shot a 30 round string. It was the first 30 rounds I ever put through the gun. And it was only like a week or so before the competition. And I had an SD of like three and an extreme spread of like five. Wow. Yeah. So that's the four, yeah. four different kind cool. of competitions, events at that. And then they're, they're intermingled, right? So you have qualifiers and, and different competitions and, and it's, it's four or five days of just an amazing atmosphere and, and good fun with a whole bunch of people that are like-minded people. That's awesome. So is this an event that, that you have to qualify for to get in? So into- it, it hasn't been in the past. Um, but it's building to be that, uh, so they're still working through those solutions. I don't know if this year they will actually make it a qualifier event. Um, but it's, it's reaching that tipping point that I would say in the future, it's, there's a high likelihood that it will be a qualified,
0: uh, qualified entry event. That's awesome. So I have a question about these now because I, I know just enough to just ask dumb questions. But unlike center fires, well, there's a lot of things that are different, but you actually put sleeves in the barrel. So can you, can you change the, the sleeve in the barrel to go from one projectile to a different to be tuned up for these different events on the same rifle? Yes. And fairly
1: easy. Um, that's a, that's a lot of people do that. And, um, it, it's really easy actually. I mean, depending on which gun you're using and, and so forth. Um, but we, we had that case when we went down to, to Arizona for, uh, extreme ventress, I, I got guys that are literally changing their, their they're shooting the same gun across four different days and they're changing their barrel daily, you know, because each event m- might have different requirements. Mm-hmm. And so you can change them not only for caliber, um, but you can change them for projectile. So barrels tend to do better, like a different barrel, with uh,
0: if you're shooting pellets versus shooting slugs. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And then because it's powered by air, there's gotta be some kind of way to, or is there a regulator on the rifle itself to monitor the, to regulate the, the the pressure that's filling the chamber or how how do you tune the amount of air and how, how long does it last usually before you have to figure out how to put more air in it? So that, yes no and
1: maybe and sometimes <laughs> so it, it really depends on the, the rifle and it depends on on uh what you're attempting to accomplish so like i have i basically built the rifle setup for each one of those four events um and we'll start with the big bore the big bore most big bores um and certainly definitely the my big bore is unregulated Right. And so you fill up the tank uh, and it takes a ton of air. Again, I'm chucking a, a huge projectile, 350 grain slug. Uh, you're going to start, you're going to fill that PSI up to 3000 PSI roughly. And you're going to take a shot. And because it's unregulated, it's going to send that shot. And if you took another shot, you have less pressure now. So you're going to have a different trajectory. Um and in all reality, you could probably you if you took if you filled the tank completely full, you could take your first shot and it's probably gonna be not awesome. You could take your shots two and three are gonna be fairly close to each other, and then shots three and four are gonna drop off of the planet um the way I mitigated that is I and every competition is different. Um, but I filled to a very specific PSI in between every single shot. So I regulated it externally to try and get consistency from shot to shot. That's for my big board gun, the PRS style guns that I'm shooting, they're all regulated. So you don't got to worry about that. You fill up your tank, Um, and they're highly tuned regulation or, or most of them are, are dual regulators. And so I'm going to go shoot an entire stage. Um, and then I'm going to go up and fill in between. And you wouldn't even need to do that. Um, most, it's hard to say like, how many will you get? Because it's so dependent on the tune of your rifle. Are you shooting slugs or pellets? How heavy, how long is your barrel and so forth? So in my specific setup is what we're going to kind of refer to. And in my precision gun, it's a 22 caliber. I'm shooting light to maybe middle weight grain slugs. And I'm, I'm not pushing the gun extremely hard. And I could probably shoot 40 to 50 rounds before I needed to fill up my tank. Now, again, I don't do that. I fill up in between every stage. It's just part of my process. Um, but you you could, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, in my so bench, do you, how do you fill up the the tank? Do you have to carry a bigger tank? I do carry a bigger tank. So I carry an SCBA tank. Um, and for those of the, you out there that, that don't know, like, it's very similar to a scuba tank or what a firefighter would would wear on his back. And I can fill those to like 4,500 PSI. And so that gives me quite a bit of reserve. I can fill my gun tank eight or 10 or 12 times, depending on, you know, again, how, how much air I pulled out of it.
0: Interesting. So people just look like a bunch of scuba divers walking around. (laughs)
1: There's, there's some, uh, there's some support gear required, you know, for sure. You're,
0: you're hauling some gear. So if somebody was going to like, is curious about this, I I think like once you have it all, it's very, very cheap to shoot, but what's the, what, what is a, like, you know, I'm going to get, I want to get a PRS style, you know, 22 caliber competition Rifle, tanks, regulators, sleeves. How much does something like that run?
1: It's going to be very comparable to your, any PRS rig that you're currently running. So, gotcha. I mean, again, if, if for people that are unaware or don't, don't know, I mean, I, I hate to throw these numbers out because I hate to discourage people, right? Like many of us, started with very inexpensive systems. And, and that this is no different. This world is no different. I am kind of, I don't know why the right word I like bougie shit. Right. And so I tend to, to go all in, in this type of stuff. And you're, you're going to probably be in that three K range plus or minus, um, and that's not including glass. So you can go as crazy as you want, or you can put, you know, a little, I don't want to single anyone out. You can put a little, you know, cheapy scope on there. You can go less parts. Um, but for a, a high performance um, competition setup, it's it's going to be very similar to what guys in the PRS world are already used to. And as you mentioned, the advantage comes down the line right so in your pick your caliber even if you're loading you know you're you're paying a buck and a half or so just we'll just pick an average number per round you know for your uh for your six mil stuff uh and quality brass and, and components um where for I don't know a hundred a hundred and fifty dollars I'm gonna buy anywhere upwards of two thousand pellets So uh, you can do the math on that, but it's very inexpensive per shot. And it's so inexpensive. In fact, that it becomes expensive because you go out and you're just giggling, having so much fun that next thing you know, you you, out in your backyard, you just rattled off 500 pellets.
0: (laughs) You know, that's what I do with pistols and gas guns. And for some reason, like, You know, I I like precision gas gun and I like running guns, but I like to feel like, you know, I can shoot as good with a gas gun as a bolt gun, but I cannot go to the range with any gas gun and not just rip through rounds. Like for for some you know, I can go, I can go to the range and shoot 10 rounds with my bolt gun. I'll just go shoot 10 rounds and I'll be perfectly content. If I go, if I go with a gas gun, I'm shooting a hundred rounds at least minimum. Right, You know, and, and if I go with like, a, yeah, if I go with like a PCC and st- I'm like, all right, I'm going to shoot nine mil. I'll shoot 500 rounds. Like I just can't be like, Oh, I'm just going to go shoot a couple. Like, no, man. It's like a case or nothing. Yeah. Um, well, that's discouraging. Cause I just bought,
1: a, well, I'm in the process of building a PCC. So, uh, so what you're saying
0: is I better start stocking up on the ammo. I think it's just that if it's semi-auto, I'm burning through all the ammo I bring no matter what. And uh, uh, the only way to shoot less is for me just to bring less to the range. But I I don't think I've ever gone and shot my, (laughs) my gas guns and not burn through, you know, like literally 10 times more ammo than my bolt guns. Right.
1: But that is, that's a huge, that's a huge uh, proponent for the air guns. It it really is It's the cost. But the cost of pellet and and or slug is so inexpensive compared to, to anything in the, in the PRS world, even in the rimfire world, Um, which rimfire is, you know, is pennies on the dollar. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so the air guns are, are just that now, I mean, air, like, again, you've got to have some method of filling it, you know, so you can buy a compressor, you can, you can go fill those large tanks. Um, and, and I buy multiple tanks because the same thing, like I don't, I don't ever want to run out, right? Like I don't want to, if I go to have fun, I want to, I want to have fun and I want to have fun until, you know, until I'm done. And so more is always better. And so it multiple tanks will help. And especially if you get into the big bore stuff, that big bore error. Man, that'll suck. A even a a large, you know, a ninety eight cc tank, it'll it'll suck that dry in 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 a short period of
0: time. Mm-hmm. How about like, is there a concern for barrel life or or uh, you know, whatever life or uh, like? Um... It. Well, I, I haven't found it yet,
1: so. I, I mean, no, I, I would, I honestly, I don't know. I've only been shooting my air guns for the past you know, year, year and a half. I can't imagine that I've ever come close to that. Obviously there's not going to be anything like fire cracking. Uh, it could you in theory put enough rounds down it that you, yeah, I, I suppose in theory, right? Like you're, you're polishing that out every single piece of lead that you push through it. So, but what, where's that number? I, I, I wouldn't even wager a guess. A hundred
0: thousand. Uh, who knows? You're you can put right, but a but, lot. Yeah. The, the center fire, that phenomena, you know, like sometimes it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm spending so much. And you think, okay, I got this awesome rifle. And then you get excited about shooting it. And then next thing you know, you shot the barrel out. So now you're like, Oh crap, I got to get another barrel. So, so there goes another thousand bucks. like, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to shoot that. And you're like, man, I should probably get a backup. So you get another one just as a backup. <laughs> and so now you spent like another 2000 bucks and then, right. um, and then you're, you know, all the and it's like, Holy crap. It's just draining, draining money. And so the initial setup price is less of an issue sometimes for me than thinking about, well, what's like the one year, two year, three year life and, and the cost of, you know, projecting that out. And then I, and then, you know, the, um, I mean now, right. Nothing. I think people just start adding zeros to what they think is expensive. <laughs> right. um, but, but I do think that that's something that a lot of people don't consider either with center fires is that, you know, your barrels are disposable and not yeah. Cheap and uh ammo prices and and reloading keeps going up and so there's there's a lot of appeal to draw that i I don't think i mean i i understand like saying well you don't want to scare people away by saying it's it's an expensive buy-in but that's just a one-time buy-in and then it's virtually free versus you know I, i don't like to tell folks "Well, just get the cheapest thing you can get because you know then I mean, I've got some things that I got where I got the cheapest thing possible. I just don't use it because yeah, it doesn't even work for what I want to do realistically. And now I could probably go back and use it now that I know what I'm doing, but when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It it hinders your ability to progress. Yeah. Like I've, I've kind of wanted to take, like I've got a, an old Remington 700, you know, it's like a $500 rifle and, I've got an old duplex. You can't even like, you know, with the cap, the, you know, it's not a, a I wouldn't in the scope. I couldn't realistically like dial the dope anymore. You know, it's just got a duplex reticle and, and, you know, something that hunters would be from it, you know, like a three by nine duplex, mm-hmm. um, you know, no other reticle than that. And I wonder like, man, now that would be fascinating to take to a hunter match and just see how well you could do with the duplex reticle and just hold it over his back. Right. And yeah, but, but by thinking about the stuff that we, you know, how far we've come, I think we can do a lot more than we think assuming we're not shooting at one of my targets. I'm not saying that I would get a trophy, um, but, but, but I, I, I think I would hit more targets than somebody who bought that rifle and came to a hunter match just to find out what it was like. Um, Right. And that's exactly it because you've already earned that skill set. Yeah. So like, I I think like, man, I tell people, look, get a six, five Creedmoor and, you know, get a decent scope, um, you know, in, 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 you know, mills or MOA that you can dial that's not too busy. And, um, I think, you know, let it rip, but, um, but not, but there's some, uh, you hear some advice like, God, ah, just take whatever you want. And it's like, man, I, I don't think it's the greatest idea to have, the, you know, your grandpa's 30 out six in a wood stock and like <laughs> for your first competition, because, you know, people want to hit at least one target and the chances are pretty good. You won't hit a target at all. Whereas, you know, for us, it might be fun to do that, but, but for, for somebody that's new, it's like, man, just get something that's going to be good. And you're not going to immediately figure out that you have to go sell it. Right just to get something that's going to actually work well enough for you to start learning. Um, so I, I don't know, I, man, I like, I like to talk about all sorts of stuff, but, but man, the, yeah, the, the, price point, I, I do think talking about cost of shooting events and traveling and competition is important for people to understand because it is expensive to go do the events. But I also think that there are other ways to have just as much fun, like going to local matches without too much travel and just getting involved with your local shooters and understanding that culture. Um, and just being a part of that is, is probably much more rewarding than at first. And you can figure out the ups and downs, pros and cons without going to a big match, even though I I started going straight to big matches. And only this year did I try some local stuff and I realized how, how valuable the local community here is and how valuable the local competition circuits, We just don't have a lot of stuff like this, but I, I mean, I, I would love to get this kind of going and kicking out here also, which is another reason why I want to get the air gun and start pushing, you know, the, the rimfire style stuff. Cause, cause we have ranges that aren't being used. That would be great for this. Um, and it'd be fun to talk about and see what the carryovers are between, this stuff and um, and the long distance and, and it's, it's, it's kind of refreshing I think sometimes to just swap between styles. Cause cause then you get that perspective of, wow, I really have grown that, that some shooters don't get because it's always the same, the same thing. And you might be able to track it year after year going to the exact same matches, but um, man, it's fun to mix it up and, and it's fun to try the different styles and, um, man, I love going to things that that are a struggle because that that's where you figure out where you're going
1: to grow. Um, yeah, well, and it's what makes you it makes you grow, right? Because you did you, and maybe that's not the case for everyone, but it, excuse me, it's it's definitely the case for me. I I don't like to lose, and I lose a lot, and so that pushes me to, to reflect on that and then go to work on that. Um, and that, I don't know, for me, that, that's just the big, the big part of it. It's part of that driving force, right. Is I want, I I want to, I want to win and, and it's not just win the match. It's, it's, I want to win the situation. And so that winning could be finally figuring it out or feeling that wind blow on my right cheek and thinking, Oh shoot, it's building. I need to hold two more tents. That's a win, right? Like that education is a win or working through a malfunction, man. I just, I had all this crazy crap. My, I pulled my mag out and bullets are springing out all over the place. And I had the foresaw, foresight to grab my next mag reinsert it and finish the stage that's a win right and Mm -hmm. so you you don't get those wins without the struggle and without those challenges and that's Mm -hmm. that's what i enjoy i i as much as i hate to say it uh, and as much as i love to win i love to get my ass kicked too because that that gives me that opportunity to to come back and to learn from it and uh and go and hopefully do better the next the next time
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think that's awesome Like solving the problems and all the little communities do have little tweaks on the problem solving game but really you know the more you're exposed to the bigger your toolkit is so that the bigger your toolkit is i think the better the rifleman is and that that might not be the case at one given match like you said well you know maybe your performance dropped across the board but i think if we looked at your overall skill sets they're probably all better because now you have more problem solving ability yeah you say, oh, i've seen this before i've done this before or, look it's now when i have a malfunction it's automatic and you recognize that and go, shit, I, I really have grown. Like there's a lot of those moments that you feel and you're like, wow, that, yeah, that's a good feeling. And I, I like how you describe that as win, because I, I, I mean, I'm super competitive too, but, but I, I hate, this, I hate the same thing over and over again. I think that like, if, if there was only, you know, couple matches and they're always the same format and always the same thing and be like jesus man i'm not going back to that (laughs) yeah get it i want something new and refreshing all the time and and to be surprised and um yeah and then get slapped around and go oh man i didn't realize that well well like you you taught me a, a great extent the last that's almost the last time i've when shooting was the guardian. Um, I'd never shot one of those gambling Kyls. where, um, I just did, I didn't comprehend the strategy between hitting the targets and hitting the confirmation. And we were talking about it and you even mentioned it. And it like went in one ear and out the other, because I didn't realize what you were saying. Like it, it didn't sink in. I'm like, wait a minute. Why would you do that? When, you know, I'm like, screw it. You know, you guys I'm going for the whole thing, you know, just spot for me. And, and, and afterwards I'm like, you know, that was one of the biggest growth points of the whole year was realizing that like you, you explained what I needed to hear. Had it sunk in, I would have done exactly what you said. It didn't even register. It didn't dawn on me until another stage. In the next stage, I was trying to be so fucking fast. I scope checked myself and I got blood running <laughs> down my face. And, and then it like, it knocked some sense into me. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's what Boyd was saying was, and, and all of a sudden it was like that it just ne- would have never dawned on me yeah, I think that that's one of those things where it's like, man, the opportunity to grow is always there, but whether you're open to it or not and, and having conversations with friends that are open enough to be able to say like, look, you know, what are you going to do? I'm going to do this. What are you going to do? I'm going to do this. And then, um, yeah, just having that openness to not think that your way is the way that's going to work best because, you know, as soon as you make that, You dig your heels in like man that sounds crazy there's probably a gem in there to learn from and and i like i I didn't man i I feel like um the only way to learn that stuff is to go to events that have stages that you've never done before or a problem set that you've never done before and and i feel like there's a lot of opportunity in going to different styles of shooting events like the rimpire um silhouette stuff that i've on to here, there's a huge community. Huge community. Most of them are, are older guys, but they, there's there's young guys, but that's their thing. They shoot that. And I, they, they shoot so well offhand. I can't even wrap my head around it. You know, they, right. they score and rank each other based on how many how many matches they haven't dropped targets on. And I'm thinking, like, I, I would feel like king of the world if I <laughs> hit, 90, hit 80 or 90% of them, you know, right. shooting one M, one M away or what, whatever the heck that is. Maybe they're not one M away. They're like two, two M away scaled targets offhand, you know, really fast. Like to me, it felt like really fast, you know, 40 shots. And, and I'm like, man, and they're making fun of me because my rifle, like, it, you know, weighs a, a few pounds heavier than theirs. They're like, well, you know, you couldn't actually get points for this because you, your rifle is too heavy, so that's too stable. And I'm thinking, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't even hit the targets. Don't, you know, nobody was worried about. You know, I feel like yeah, if that, if that happens at a, yeah, if that if that happens at a PRS match, people freak out. But but if these guys are laughing, they're like, well, you're not competitive, so don't don't worry. You know, we're gonna let you do whatever you want. But um, if you want <laughs> to come back and Eagle compete, <laughs> yeah, yeah, come back with a or the rifle that's a couple pounds lighter. And, uh, you know, you got like these 90 year old guys out there, just, you know, with, they look like, you know, they're, they're decorated with like decades of, of, uh, <laughs> match wins. You know, like, you know, I, I haven't dropped a shot all year. What? Right. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, yeah, and it's it. funny,
1: like your comment, like, so just this past week and I was, you know, I went down to Texas. So I'm staying with a bunch of buddies and, and we're having conversations and, like this. And, and, uh, one of them was talking about, about just that, like getting, gaining knowledge that like there's, there's an opportunity to gain knowledge from everywhere. And, and in this kind of world, um, we tend to value uh, the information higher coming from someone who our perception is that they're a better shooter and or whatever even on the Internet. Like, oh, you've got eight million followers, so this guy must know what he's talking about. And then that the the counter to that is we devalue those the opposites of that guys who haven't won. Maybe they've only shot two or three matches or maybe they only have 10 followers on Instagram or whatever the case is. But to your point that, that, that knowledge came from the, from the being exposed to something that we're not normally exposed to. And so that's just it. That new guy, he, he just came into town, he moved or whatever, but he came from his local club where they do some wacky ass stuff. And I don't know, they're shooting off of a bouncy horse or something. And, and we, for some reason, have a bouncy horse stage. Now, now his input has extreme value. And so I think the key to it is just having that open mind and having that dialogue and communication because there's something out there to learn from everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I'm super psyched! I think uh, I'm really looking forward to getting started with the airgun stuff. I'm really excited about seeing how the data overlaps with my craft data because I'm obsessed with numbers and right. and the shooting stuff, and then and then practicing the fine tune, you know, exposing those nuances. And then I'm excited just to go to more shooting competitions, um, shooting competitions in general. Um, what, what's your, um, what's your year look like coming up? So <laughs> I have really
1: tried. I, I, I haven't planned. It. So I, I literally, I just came back from Texas. That's match 51 for me for the year. And I, I'm going to the AG cup just to help out. I'm not going to shoot it next week, but Uh, when I come home, I got one match. So I'll hit 52 matches this year. And that's just too many. And so what I'm doing in the immediate future is I'm going to decompress. Um, and I'm going to try and, and get more focused uh, because earlier in the conversation, I, I feel like while my overall ability might be going up, my ability on one specific platform is waning a little bit. And so I want to get back and focus. And uh, I have high hopes to to go to Italy for the world championship there. Um, And if I'm fortunate to make that team, then my year is going to be heavily focused on rimfire and, uh, and getting back to a level that I'm comfortable with that. Um, and then the air guns, um, our Mac was amazing. I, I won the precision challenge. I'd like to go defend my title there. Um, and so air guns and rimfire are, are going to be heavy on my plate. I, I still am going to shoot these other things coming. I told myself, I'm not going to chase the Hunter series this year. Um, but you know, Josh posted something on there and I'm a sucker for marketing. And, and, and so I immediately signed up for one of his last spots. So I'll be down to shoot the ghost hunter here in a couple of weeks. Um, and, and I'll still do stuff like that, but I'm, I'm going to try and heavily focus on rimfire and air, um, this year. I'd, I'd like to go represent, uh, air guns in the NRL championship uh, coming up this, you know, next summer. Um, and then it would be, you know, an honor and a blessing, I think to, to go play in the rimfire world in, in Italy coming next fall. So, um, that's kind of where my focus is going to be. And, and even if those things don't happen, um, I still want to, I want to get back to the rimfire rimfire, PRS style rimfire matches, you know, longer range rimfire matches have always been what my heart was in. Um, And I chased a lot of other series this year. I had a lot of goals and and for the most part, I met most of those. Um, And so I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple weeks off and decompress and I'm going to reset my goals coming up for the future. And You can bet they'll be, I'll shoot a lot of matches, um, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do
0: nearly as much as I did this year. With those goals, because they're so high level and it's against so many high performers, it it is good to kind of tune in to, to the nuances that are specific to those styles, especially, you know, when it comes to representing the U S and when, you know, championship style matches and, and defending your title, man, that, that's cool. Well, I'll definitely see you there. I'm going to be at the ghost hunter. Uh, also, I don't know what I'm going to shoot yet, but I've been <laughs> decompressing for since for, for months now, I've been decompressing. So, uh, um, but I'm excited about the the hunter stuff. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the across even across style. So I'm hoping to do an ELR. I'm I'm hoping to do the, the night force ELR, the air gun competition, the hunters, and then maybe three or four PRS as well as there's a series here, competition dynamics that does field style hunter like matches um, with pistols and gas guns too. And so those are the ones that are kind of at the, the core of, of the events that I just love, um, because they're, they're fun, but I like the other stuff just to round out the skill sets and have, um, and have that exposure to the things. Cause PRS probably be my weakness in terms of, you know, the big styles. Um, I need to get out and, you know, maybe do three or four just to, just to make sure that I'm current when I'm, cause now I'm coaching a lot and I'm helping shooters and you know, some of them want to get into that style. And I don't, I don't think, you know, in terms of credibility, there's, it, there's something to be said for still being a part of it to understand how the game is played well enough Absolutely. to tune somebody up because I think that, um, but I, you know, I, I think it can go too far left or right. But for me, with the metrics that I use and the numbers to calibrate a shooter, and it's been working really well this year, um, for the, for those people, there's, you know, tons of stuff, but I, I do feel like, uh, you know, I got to do the hunter matches. Um, I want to do the ELR because I I really feel like, you know, as I'm obsessed with wind stuff and, you know, a lot of the wind as max ordnick gets higher, it goes into that territory that I'm less familiar with. So, yeah. um, you know, when, yeah, when, when you're you shooting past, across canyons and such, you're, you're up there, you're, you're getting up there. So, I mean, yeah, we're shooting the targets. Um, you know, we got max or, you know, 60 to a hundred feet in the air. Sometimes the wind's pretty strong, even though yeah. you don't feel it, you know, you might not feel it. Like the other day we went out and, um, w- you know, the max wind measurement that we had anywhere all day was 12 miles an hour. But man, shooting two thousand yards, it was exposed to twenty-seven mile an hour winds. Like, yeah, it's just no. It wasn't like, oh, that was one shot. Every shot, it was twenty-seven. Yeah, 27, 27. God, there's no indicators other than that round. So if you could yeah. read the round and correct it, you'd hit the plate. But if you made a wind call, you know, we said, all right, let's let's pretend we don't know what the wind speed is. Let's do it again. It, 20, 27 miles an hour. Like, come on, <laughs> right. you know, well, let's, let's aim off in this direction. Cause we're starting to, we set up the range so that I got a, like 140 degree fan so that because, because I want to say like, all right, that's cool. We got to, we got to speed and angle. Let's change it. And let's see if that calibrates. That way we can tell whether it was the angle or the wind speed or, you know, how the comet over a lot of ratios, you can figure out, was it, did you get the angle wrong or the speed wrong? well, let's change, you know, let's go, let's make it 90 degrees. So we have full value wind and, and we'll, we'll confirm the wind speed. And then let's go back and then let's go, let's take that 15 degrees off. That might be 25% less. So that 15 degrees is 25% less. um, This is where it should be. Now, if the wind speed is the same, it won't be 25%, but if the angle it's 25% of the of the effective speed. And so it's like, all right, cool. We're, we're honing that in, honing that in, but man, you sh- you shoot 2000 yards and in the terrain that we have, there's no indicators. I've thought about in the distance, there's some, uh, high power lines. You know, I thought about climbing up those towers and hanging some flags on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, either turn it into barbecued chicken up there or, or getting the flags because, uh, but there's an F-class guy now that has those wind sensors we have. He's mounting them on a drone, and he'll fly the drone up to max ord height, huh. and uh, you know, be able to get get that wind speed with the drone stuff. That they can't use. You, you got to do that on the clock. <laughs> yeah, that'd be funny. Like, all right, shooter ready, and you're like, Vish. like, what are you doing? I'm flying my drone out. Oh uh, yeah. Spend a minute doing it to get the right wind call, but then he hits all well, the targets. That- I I like the idea of, of, um, you know, you, you use, you know, I don't, I'm not a bowler, but you know, you see kids bowling with those bumpers in there, you know, it kind of helps them. And then when they figure out not to hit the bumpers, you take them out and they can shoot, you know, you kind of use training wheels. And so the idea of like having, you know, if if we're, if we're going to be looking for vegetation signs in different terrain, it would be good to know what the actual wind speed that was moving. It was versus like, I read this book and it said the trees, you know, the leaves rustle at, at you know, eight yeah. to 10 miles an hour. Well, but man, you, you know, they don't know Aspen because Aspen trees are rustling at about one mile an hour. Right. And, and, uh, you know, so all the different vegetation moves at different wind speeds, but it, it's cool to be able to travel around and say, all right, cool. Let me figure out what these signs are, that I actually could use and match it with a measured thing so that when I don't have that crutch, at least I'd be able to look around and say, Oh, you know, it turns out that, you know, the tips of these particular plants move when it's, you know, eight miles an hour or more. And, and, uh, I like matching that with that, with that real data. But I do think you could go a long way starting with those handrails, because eventually when you take those handrails, away just like just like you know the your rimfire wind stuff like you're sensitive to the wind now and when you're shooting your center fire you can take that sensitivity that you developed and apply it to a different medium yep whereas you know somebody you know blasting something away and worried about moving really fast they don't they're not feeling that input in the same way but but the more senses you could pull into it, right. The more tools you got. And so I, I feel like that tech is a, is a cool way to, to add to that. But I guess I'm kind of detoured away from that, but, but the ELR thing I want to participate in. And then the, the, the air gun event I want to participate in and then Hunter CD PRS. And then I don't know the, um, that's probably going to be it other than the coaching.
1: That's, that's a that's a that's a full plate right there
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. because what i want rifle craft to be is the the products right i want i want the shooters that are getting better to be the spokespeople for it not me saying like you'll get better if you do this but but now we're starting to get more and more people actually getting trophies saying like or for their outlets being successful and 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 so i, I kind of see that light at the end of the tunnel where they It shows like, look, if I tell you, if I come and measure you, or if you come out and I measure you and I say, boy, like you, you could sustain these skills, but, but if you work these two things, you're, you're going to have 20% improvement. Yeah. And you go home and, and you work that for two months. And after two months, you know, you go from 40th place to fifth place. You'll, I mean that, you know, it's not like, I'm not sure if I got better. It's like, sure. right. I, I like it. it's very, <laughs> very clear. And, 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 and so, um, you know, that that's kind of the goal is to have rather than posting and posting and talking about it, having other people say like, I dedicated to the, the principle of working that low hanging fruit. And each time you clip off that low hanging fruit, your averages go up on, on everything. I, I think that, that that mentality and method is really successful so far. So I'd like to scale that up. But, but I think in order to do that, I got to go shoot and be exposed to these other, other disciplines. Um, yeah. because you know, there's, you know, the ELR guys, like they're hitting targets pretty regularly. So there's, they are reading wind somehow. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to learn how they're reading. I could shoot a big gun like that. No problem. But if I have to make a correction on every shot, you know, there's, there's room to grow there. And then the air gun stuff with the fundamentals, because, you know, I think tracing everything back to the fundamentals and applied fundamentals while problem solving is, is really cool where it's at. I think, I think that'd be fun, but I'm psyched to see you. That means I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's badass, man. Well, I'm going to go on a, a surfing kind of trip. Here for a couple of weeks and then uh, dust off that freaking hunter <laughs> rifle. Yeah, rock and roll the um gunsite. Yeah, I haven't shot it since the finale. Gunsite's such a cool place.
1: Yeah, and well, and, you know, uh, Josh and Mark, those guys, they they put on a good show. And like, holy
0: crap, that's fun.
1: I, I like I said, I I told myself like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. I'm not going to chase so much. And I'm, I specifically thought like the Hunter series would be one that I would let go. Um, and, uh, but no, that, <laughs> that didn't seem to work. What's so was, friendly. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And, and like says, that they're good guys and I like to support, you know, my friends and, and, uh, and I just I love to shoot, and I love I love to shoot. I love to I love the competitions and the Hunter Series last year. Like that's a weak skill set for me. It, it really is. It I know the first like I I only earned my spot to that championship on my very last match, and I shot I shot five of those matches last season plus the finale, and so for four of those matches. And the one match that I shot the year before, I just got my teeth kicked in. And it's I it's a skill set. I don't I'm not a hunter. I don't hunt, and so I shoot a lot of guns and I shoot a lot of matches. But glassing like is a foreign skill set to me, and and having to uh, pinpoint and hit that target with the range finder like that's that's the skill set that I just. I, I didn't have, I really just got my teeth kicked in. And so I think that's the draw for me is I, I, on that fifth match, I finally kind of figured a few things out. Um, and then I went and shot the finale and, uh, and I'd like to go back this year and see if, if I got lucky or if I really kind of honed some of that skill. So, Mm-hmm. I, I again, I'm not going to chase that series. I'm not driving all over the country to shoot that series this year, but but you know, gun not too incredibly far for me. And and uh, and there's a couple other obviously Burl and those guys, they're studs out here, so I'll probably shoot that match. Um, as long as there's not a conflict with the with our Mac. Um, but but yeah, I uh, I want to go and redeem myself, so to speak, and and it's it's a personal quest. I could care less about, you know, everything else or everybody else out there, but I, I want to go back there. And, and at the end of the day, I want to feel like I, I had some growth that I learned from
0: something. So. That's a good one to do that. Cause it, it was tough. I felt like finding targets that that match was tricky. That, that one and um, the California one surges. Like they were the yeah. two best. I feel like Sur- Surges and Josh and Marks were the two best matches in the Hunter series last year, and probably because, yeah, like like you said, like man, I felt like right on the verge of being too stressed because I couldn't find targets, and yeah, that stress puts you in a vulnerable position of just making lots and lots of mistakes. Like when you teeter over that panic, you stop doing <laughs> all the things you need to do. And I feel like yep. both of those matches just had me like right on the edge of massive panic. And yep. then, you know, Oh, there's the target. And then you shoot it or, or know well enough, God, you know, I'm going to shoot three out of the four. Cause I'm going to get some points or, yep. or not. Like, I, I think I got a zero or two at Josh's and Mark's because, I timed out. I think actually, you know what? The very first stage of that match last year, I got a zero because it was four targets and I timed out looking for the fourth one. And then I spent all the time looking and then I found it and I dialed the dope for the first target and I was going to close the bolt and beep beep. beep. (laughs) you know and then the, the RO is like you know time I'm like are you kidding me I'm like what yeah you know and like I don't know and I get I get really still like you know I'm not I think people don't understand that about my personality like you know like speaking to myself out loud I'm like what are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, and and uh like are you kidding? fuck and so then I'm like you know I wrote down in my little in, in my little like book buy a stupid timer <laughs> <Send> them, <Yep. laughs> like, you know so then i went and i got a timer and you know i set a drop dead time of i don't care what you're doing if this so goes, what, uh, what if time you, did you pick for that uh 230 oh okay see i came to
1: the same conclusion i i came to 230 to go a little more because i mean a minute and a half is a lot of time to to send eight rounds if if you need to so well because I, think
0: about it like the yeah, the way I thought about it was it's not that I can't shoot four targets faster, it's that I'm in a, you know, I'm usually in a kneeling or standing position. Yep, yep. my you gotta break all that on my back. So now I gotta break the position and then get you know, get that out of the way, get the rifle set up, the bag, dial my dope, and then get on target, in addition to the fact that there's probably a delay after the beep where my brain failed yep. to like immediately jump into action, and I'm and if and if and if I'm responding to the timer, that means I screwed something up. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, crap, <laughs> I'm almost out of time. You know, instead of you know, the, all sorts of things start happening when you're like, it's like, oh crap, I'm almost, you know, I got to do something. And then it, it's like, okay, now, so now that minute thirty is a minute. Yeah. Right by the, and then it's like, okay, then you're trying to shoot and read it but but god forbid you miss and you got to make a follow-up it's not yeah. just four shots it could be eight shots right right <laughs> and so now now it's like okay you got 60 seconds you're stressed you know you screwed up <laughs> and you're in <laughs> yeah, making you up. bring mode.
1: that back down and and yeah I, but it's funny like i picked the same time i asked a lot of guys that run timers and and a lot of guys do different, different things. And that I came to that same conclusion. I came to the two and a half minutes and often it, it depending on the stage, like I'll blow past that. I got that timer will go off. And my stubbornness is like, you know, I, I still got to find it. And maybe, it, maybe I'm not on a four target engagement. Maybe I'm only on a two target engagement and, and I've only found one target or something, you know? And so it just depends on the scenario, but. I, I often found myself when that timer did go off um, that I still hung out there the, and I started my mental clock. I'm like, okay, I got a minute and a half. Uh, I might waste another 10 or 15 seconds to continue looking now. But, but yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. And I did find the more the, the season went on, I don't remember how many I shot, but the better I got. At responding to the clock, yeah, and the fewer the f- you know the fewer zeros I got because the zeros were always linked back to not listening to that yeah, clock and responding, news. you know, right? Yeah, and then it's like, man, you know, when you look, a, a lot of good shooters get zeros, and once they start sticking to those timers, they stop getting zeros, and it's like, man, I'd much rather have a four out of eight than a zero out of eight or, you yep. know, or a two or a- anything is better. So, um, and most of the shots that we take, we hit. So like, it's literally points you're giving up. And oftentimes, you know, at those matches, I, I usually shoot around 12 X. Oftentimes I'll see it. I'll see the target I didn't find. Yeah. Um, when I'm shooting or when I'm shooting my third target, if I just keep it in the field of view and go left yeah. and right, you know, be like, it'll be just there.
1: And yeah. So you might wow. have time to, to, to grab the binos and rearrange. Or I've, I've had times where I had that, where I grabbed the binos to rearrange and I've had times where I'm like, Oh, I don't have time for that, man. I'm just going to take a wild guess and send it.
0: Yeah. And then I, I did several of them as a team. And even though you get more time, I've found it it takes more time as a team and it's more stressful. And I would have bet against that, but the the, what we learned shooting as a team is that the extra two minutes is eaten up by communicating and getting getting out of each other's way and and it's it's extremely hard to shoot as a team i think and that's why I, I value that so much is that there's just so much to learn and then watching another shooter shoot you're getting all it's like being a ro you're you're watching their shots you're watching their win and so like the 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 amount that you learn as a as a teammate is massive um compared to you know sometimes when you shoot you're like man i'm not sure what i did wrong but when you're with a partner you're watching each other so afterwards they could say like dude you fucked this up or you know, yeah. Why'd you shoot like that? Because this was a stupid position, <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, that's, it's pretty fun. Um, but I like that system stress versus, you know, just, so, you know, I, I really think that's cool because it, to me, I'm, you know, if I imagine, um, you know, doing anything else with a rifle, I imagine that it'll be stressful and, there'll be an element of locate range and engage in decision-making and move, you know, all that stuff. So the realism to me is important. Right. And, uh, and I, but I, I yeah, man, I, I really, I really like those and hopefully, you know, the more of those this year, the better just, just for the, re- if ref- if, I think it's refreshing just to run around. Um, hopefully they expand some stuff. Well, shoot, we've been, I'm starting to blabber and I do that when, when, uh, well, I guess I always do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to talk to you some more and I'm always psyched to see you. and I'm always psyched to, to, to like, I follow you on Instagram. Um, what are like for, for, for people that don't know you, um, will you tell them like where your main channels of media stuff are? And then if you, if you have sponsors and stuff like that and you want to, uh, you know, tell people, um, uh, who, who, they are, this is a, a good time to do that. So, I
1: mean, mainly I, it's just Utah Pew Pew on Instagram. Um, I, I try and kind of actually avoid sponsors, um, because I, I'm opinionated and I like to run what I run. Uh, but there's definitely people, Utah air guns, the guys down there are amazing. Um, and they've welcomed me with open arms and, and really taking good care of me. Uh, priest precision, you know, he's our local gunsmith guy out here. He's a stud, uh, and arguably, you know, he, he chambers a lot of the top production guy, uh, rifles. Um, so if you need something in that, and then zero comp's been pretty good. Um, they, uh, I, I like their scopes. So, but yeah, it's pretty much this entire community, I think is the sponsor. Cause every single one of these guys that I've met, man, they'll, they'll give you whatever they got. They'll help you any way they can get. So, uh, and, and some of them have given me actual, you know, stuff and, uh, and other times it's just here, take this, you know, cause I need it or whatever. So, I think the community is the best, um, the best sponsor. Uh, and yeah, and, and just, just know that like that, give back to those guys, find the guys in your local community and, and give them a shot, keep that money around, around town. And if you're fortunate enough to, to go to a match and there's a prize table Uh, or stage sponsors like you see the same i've traveled all over and i've shot a lot of matches and the names uh in all those matchbooks and on all those stage banners and all of those prizes on the table they're all the same names so just just recognize that and when you're looking for gear consider giving your money to those guys because they're giving a lot to this community
0: yeah, that's for sure. And it's amazing how small compared to the larger kind of economy. Well, man, I, I don't, I mean, I, I, I think I've probably told you this before, but man, if Riflecraft could have a shooting team, you would either be the first one I asked or in the first group of guys that I asked if I could support or if I had a company that could sponsor people it would be the same thing. Like, I think you're awesome. You are You Like you're always psyched. And like, I don't, I don't think I can say pretty comfortably right now that I don't know any shooter in all the styles that is always happy and helpful and smiling and like, (laughs) just, just fun to be around. So I think, um, you know, one of these days, I appreciate that one of these days, um, going to make a shooting team even if it's just for shit and to make an obnoxious jersey because I hate jerseys <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can to try to uh, you know rope you into to hanging out more often because I really think like you're cool and smart and fun and a good representative of shooting sports period and, and, and man, when I see your name, I'm psyched. And um, so I couldn't be more psyched that, that you're going to be down in Arizona. Cause we'll hang out and shoot the show a little bit. Oh um, yeah, man. I appreciate it. So you, you take a break for a little bit and go do whatever you do for, for uh, decompressing. And I will see you in Arizona. Awesome, man. Thanks for chatting. Yeah, bro. We'll see you. All right. Good night.